Clayton Bird Goes Underground by Rita Williams Garcia. Chapter 15. Every writer, clap your hands. If Cool Papa was talking to Clayton through the homeless woman, his spirit had vacated her now slumped over body. Once her bluesy church song turned into snoring, her funky odor intensified, mule-kicking Clayton in the nose and gut full on. Holding his hand over his nose was no longer enough. Clayton coughed hard, then sprang out of his seat. The car bounced and jerked as he made his way over to the other end of the car to escape the woman's strong odor. He coughed again, swallowed some air, and coughed harder. He had to get out of the car. He read the sign plastered to the window of the connecting car door. Riding or moving between cars is prohibited. The the circled image of a person standing between two train cars with a red slash running through the circle was equally clear. Still, he ignored the warnings. Clayton pulled down on the metal door handle and yanked the door open. He found himself between the two cars, the train bouncing violently. He wiped his eyes, teary from the coughing fit, and lingered for a few seconds in the narrow outer ledge of the subway car. He kept one hand on the door handle the other on Cool Papa's pork pie hat. He couldn't let his hat get away from him, and the train was moving fast. The stale, smoky air was better than the air he'd escaped from. Finally, he pushed the door open. Clayton's sneakers hugged the shaky floor as he made his way from pole to pole. He stopped at the subway map, No one sat in the seat just below the map, so he leaned in to get a good look and counted the number of stops before he'd reach West 4th Street Station. Now, Now that where he was going was firm in his mind, he slid into the empty seat below the posted subway map. He counted 15 station stops. It would be a long ride. He stared out into the tunnel where the graffiti tags passed by. Hard knocks lifer, cry, in puffy white cloud letters. He wished he had something to read, anything to read, except for the four corners of the world. He couldn't afford to fall asleep on the train. All that was left to stare at was the subway floor or across the train or up at the business school ads posted above him. He didn't want to get caught staring at any of the riders because people were touchy about being stared at. From quick glances he allowed himself, he saw all he saw were dull, empty faces, people reading or absorbed by the music piped in through earphones. The train seemed to move slowly, but that was okay. Soon, he'd be with Jackrabbit Jones, Big Mike, and Hector Santos, people who knew Cool Papa as a blues man and knew him 
as Clayton Bird on Blue's Harp. He couldn't get there soon enough. The train pulled into a stop. Its bell rang, ding dong ding, and the doors opened. People rushed on, and the recorded conductor's voice said, Stand clear of the closing doors, please. The train bell rang again, ding dong ding, and began to close. But a tall kid in a dirty white tank top jumped into the car, wedging himself between the closing doors and shouted, Jump on! Jump on! Train ear, Clayton thought. The kid on the platform. Next, a boy wearing a fuzzy white Kangol cap, who was slightly younger and shorter than Trainier, but definitely older than the twins, squeezed himself past the lanky teen and into the car. The sliding doors clamped in on Trainier a couple times, but he stayed in the doorway and shouted, Come on, come on! while the voice over the loudspeaker said, Stand clear of the closing doors, please! And the passengers groaned. Finally, Train Ear pulled in the last of their pack. A boy about Clayton's height and age, maybe a year older, carrying a boombox. And then, that boy's twin, who carried nothing. Once all were inside the car and out of the way of the closing doors, The door opened and closed twice, and the train was off, the boys hooting and laughing at one another. He glanced at the pack. They were positioned in the center of the car and at the center doors on both sides of the car. He glanced, was careful not to stare. The little bit that he saw told him what he needed to know. Their sneakers were all nearly new, although their t-shirts and jeans were ripped and grungy. One wore a white hat. Clayton was no fool. Those sneakers had been stolen. Wherever those boys were from, it wasn't the same place that he came from. There was no one to see to it that their clothes were clean, heads were shaved around the edges, skin was oiled and not ashy. They were not the kind his mother would let sit at her table with dirty hands to handle her salt and pepper shaker angels. Well, the pepper angel. Wolf pack, Clayton thought. He wanted to look away, but couldn't. He needed a book, something to keep him from staring, but he had the sense that the wolf pack was there to do something. They were loud, both begging and daring people to look their way. One twin sat the boombox on the ground and clicked the dial. The little bit of sound that crackled through its speakers moaned and died out. The boomboy box, the boombox boy shook the dead box and slapped it on the sides a couple of times. Oh well, was all he had to say. I told you, snatch some batteries. Trainier yelled at him. Boombox shrank, shrugged. Trainer yelled at, the, at Boombox's twin, Step up! The twin jumped out into the center of the train car and made noise, deep sounds from the inside of his throat, through his nip, his nose, lips, and teeth. The boy was a human beatbox. 
trainier shouted at the people on the train. Every rider, clap your hands. You heard me. Train riders, clap your hands. I know you heard me. Train riders, clap your hands. But the people on the train read their newspapers, continued their conversations, or stared out into the dark tunnel. Only the twins and the boy with the white cap clapped their hands, yet before he knew it, Clayton's foot tapped to the hip-hop beat, a simple rhythm with the clap on the first and third beat. It was easy to fall into. The grunting twin, Beatbox, was close. So close, Clayton caught his spit a few times as he beatboxed. Clayton liked the sound and didn't mind the spit. He could almost feel the vibrations of the grunts that thumped and strummed like a bass. He liked the grunting that belched deep from Boombox's gut like a tom-tom. He followed how the boys clicked their tongue Sorry. He followed how the boy clicked his tongue like a snare and timed his crisp hisses like the sticks on a brass hi-hat. Clayton liked the sounds and the beats, but he missed chords. He missed the melody. Without thinking twice, Clayton took his harp from his pocket, found a spot, and came in with the beat, but not on top of the beat. Boombox said, Oh, wow. But Beatbox turned to Clayton, nodded at him without breaking the rhythm. He said something through his self-made bass, drums, and crisp hi-hats, and Clayton spoke back with his harp. Beatbox would start a phrase, and Clayton would jump into the phrase with an answer. Then they began to talk, really talk. How Clayton missed that. Needed that. Beatbox lowered his volume but kept the beat. He nodded to Clayton who didn't have to be told he was being waved in for a solo. Twelve bars. A few hands applauded.